0: Fed Square proudly acknowledges that Federation Square is situated on the lands of the Gunarong and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pays respect to their elders past and present. Hello and welcome back to the Anything But Square podcast. This is the final episode of our three part series celebrating Fed Square's history, heritage and architecture. Today we'll be talking to Fiona Whitworth, a former special projects manager at Fed Square. Vanessa Walker, a former program manager, Tanya Davidge, the founder of Our City, Our Square, and Geoffrey Greenaway, an architect of the Curry Heritage Trust. Together, we'll explore the ever-changing relationship between the public and the square and how the once so controversial square has found its way into Melbournians' hearts over the last two decades.
1: My name's Fiona Whitworth. And I actually worked for Federation Square Management as a special projects manager from around about 2000 to 2004. So I wasn't directly involved in the brief, but I did get a little bit involved in the early planning for Federation Square while I was working at City of Melbourne, because as, you know, obviously you're probably aware, the City of Melbourne was originally a kind of 50-50 partner in the project. Before that, The council actually decided to cap its financial contribution, but there was a lot of work undertaken kind of during that period to prepare for how the site would be integrated into the city generally, and also how they would kind of realise their own contribution. My first impressions were very much that this would be something really exciting for Melbourne, but to be honest, I didn't really quite understand how it was all going to fit together. But that sort of excited me and bearing in mind I was around about 21 at the time you know the whole concept of a major urban design kind of project and contribution like that was pretty new to me anyway but yeah basically I was just excited there was a real feeling of you know excitement around the project. I officially joined Federation Square in about late 2000. I'd sort of been looking for an opportunity to get more directly involved with Federation Square um, on the management and the operational side and an opportunity kind of presented itself for me in late 2000 where I was offered a job to help really establish the operations as that started to become you know, more of a concern and and phasing from construction into how this place is actually going to work operationally. So the official opening day was pretty highly anticipated as you can probably imagine, but at the same time, it wasn't huge. It wasn't a soft opening, but it wasn't a kind of a all singing, all dancing opening because the whole site wasn't able to be open. So in a way it was there was a sense of anticipation leading up to it around making it real and being able to actually sort of shift from our point of view, from Federation Square Management's point of view, that's when the real job, the real work really starts happening because our role is actually to Manage the square, seeing the construction workers kind of receding back to different parts of the site, and then slowly that presence reducing, um, and our role starting to really kind of amp up. So from my point of view, the opening day was obviously a really important milestone, but it really sparked the kind of the beginning of the next chapter. It was an incremental opening; it wasn't a sort of a "ta-da, we're all done." So we had this stage transition. And starting in October 2002, there was kind of key parts of the site that were open to the public. And I guess that gave Federation Square Management a chance to kind of come to terms and understand um, how things would progress incrementally. But it also gave the public a chance to start getting into the site, getting a feel for it. There was a lot to be coordinated. And so having that happen incrementally was really the most manageable way to achieve it. But I suppose from the public participation side, it really is important to understand just how much the public view and participation in the square actually brings it to life. It's not just about building it. It's about how people experience it and about people adopting it and, and making it a part of their lives. And that takes time. The public attitude really has changed over time, as, as you would expect From that opening day, I guess maybe people had felt that they had been a bit excluded. Physically, they had been excluded. So their kind of attitude started to shift when they became able to kind of start exploring the site, when the programming started to host things that became more relevant to people, and when people started to work out how it could be integrated into their, whether it's their everyday life through to the thing that they do they come there maybe once or twice a year for special occasions they always go see Eurovision when it's broadcast on the screen or you know like whatever their version of their kind of personal ritual is that is associated with Fed Square that attitude kind of incrementally changes to be frank I feel like there was elements of it at the start that it was almost a bit of a laughing stock because it had this kind of cost overruns, it has this public image of when is it ever going to open. So it sort of has overcome that in the public eye. And it did that by being there and by serving its purpose. Over time, people have, that's just part of its backstory. And people now, I guess, understand it as being that civic square. And to a certain extent, whether they go there a lot or not, just the idea that Melbourne has that, is really important and i think we've seen that in recent years with various different controversies once again but this time we're letting that people actually do really value it so the controversy is kind of the shoes on the other foot this time and the public are really sort of now saying this is the square that we want this is the place that we have and this is a part of melbourne
0: public opinion was a huge part of why the square found itself in so much controversy before it was even unveiled but the former program manager Vanessa Walker was quietly confident all along that the space would be right for Melbourne.
2: Well, the interesting thing about the early days transitioning from you know construction site to to an open public space was that when the hoardings were up and when the only experience people had of the square was an occasional news article and. know maybe a a glimpse through a crack in the hoardings Um, people of course didn't really necessarily understand what was on offer and and yet we as a, a you know as the management company as we got closer and closer to opening and we were working through operations and planning events and things I guess we were pretty confident just quietly confident that this you know was such a gift to the city uh this public space and these um cultural organizations that it it wouldn't fail as a as a as a venue for people to come and that might sound um a little bit you know ridiculous now but actually we were confident that it would be okay and then when the hoardings did come down albeit in in stages um we were you know actually proven right there it was immediately popular and I think it's really all centred around the public spaces being so um, accommodating, uh, interesting and open to the best aspects of the city that, you know, just made it a success. And before the hoardings came down, it, w- it was hard to just say that, you know, words don't ever convey what's really possible. So when people could stand there and experience it, suddenly perceptions shifted on mass and uh, and people seemed to immediately embrace it.
0: The 2019 Apple Store proposal brought to the forefront of every Melbournian's mind how important the Square was and what it meant to them. Melbournians didn't want their Square to lose its community focus to large commercial investors. Tanya Davidge rallied with other professionals against the now-defunct plan of the Apple Store in a move she called Our City, Our Square.
3: Basically, once the announcement was made, the editor of Architecture AU, which is an online architectural journal, uh, called me and asked me whether I would write about the Apple store in Fed Square. For me, the announcement to kind of demolish the Yarra building and replace it with an Apple store seemed to be against everything that Fed Square stood for. And I was so angry um, that I said, you'll have the piece by the end of the day. And off it, off it went out into the world. And a lovely man, who's an architect uh, and a historian called Roland Story, contacted me and got a few of us who'd written different pieces about Fed Square people who owned some of the petitions. We had two of the petition two of the petitions are uh, owned by people in our association. Contacted all of us and got us all together, and we thought, well, potentially we can do something about this because something uh, needs to be done. So we set up the uh, Our City Our Square campaign. And I think one of the first things we did was take part in the Apple in Fed Square debate organised by Open House Melbourne in conjunction with the Australian Institute of Architects, the Victorian chapter and the Australian Institute of Landscape Architects and the Planning Institute of Australia. I was really nervous going into it. I didn't want to say anything wrong. I wanted to make my arguments. But there were, you know, there were a lot of people. Uh, the Deacon End's Theatre was pretty much full. And there were I think there was a lot of emotion in the room. And I'd like to think that we won. I think if we take Fed Square as the example of that public asset, no other public space or public institution in Melbourne does what Fed Square does. So it's a place where we celebrate community and culture, and we celebrate it in a very specific way. So you can't find the same kind of events, you know, at the Botanic Gardens, at the NGV or the State Library, although they are all incredibly significant and important institutions. And I think what they do, what FedSquare does, is it forms part of a network of our public institutions and our public spaces. And it's really important that each of these institutions in this network kind of have their own character and their own atmosphere. They do very, very specific things and there's no other public space or public institution that does what Fed Square does that brings community and culture together in the way that Fed Square does and kind of celebrates it in in such a public way. Well, if we think about public spaces in our city in general, public spaces are kind of like the lungs of the city, you know, they give us room to breathe and move around. And we know that from research that public spaces impact positively on our health and well-being, on a, the health and well-being of the community. They enhance the quality and character of the city's urban form. And they enable the community to come together socially and connect with friends, family, neighbours, strangers, regardless of socioeconomic status. So public space has kind of got a democratic imperative in our cities you know it's very much about access and spaces made for the public regardless of your means so often when we think about public spaces i suppose we think about primarily our parks and gardens but if we think about fed square it's a really different type of public space so i see fed square as a celebratory public space it's a public space where we come together as community and we can see all the different facets of our society and bringing people together as a community kind of takes hard work and it takes vision and it takes a real focus to foster that and enable that and it's really really important i think to have a public space of this type in the city it's a space that celebrates our collective identity in a lot of respects and as it celebrates our collective identity i suppose fed square you know, it fosters diversity, it fosters our sense of belonging in the city, it fosters an attachment to place, and it kind of brings together, a, you know, a microcosm of Victoria in an accessible way for everybody to experience and enjoy. So I think that Fed Square is one of the reasons that people love Melbourne, and it's part of what makes Melbourne Melbourne.
0: With these new government proposals in the works, the future for Fed Square is looking bright. And Fiona thinks so too.
1: I don't know what will happen, but I know what I would like to see happen. I do think there's some unresolved physical things that I would love to see be resolved over the next decade, specifically around the development of Federation Square to the east. It still feels a little bit like Federation Square has a kind of a front and a back, with the back being kind of the, the Russell Street tension area and the way that it interfaces with the rail tracks and the bridge there. So I'd love to see that resolved and there be a kind of a connectivity and a kind of a blending of that part of the square into the city fabric would be great. In terms of other things on my wish list for Fed Square in the next decade, I'd love to see the momentum of the heritage listing kind of translate into a real recognition that Federation Square is part of the city's and cultural landscape and it really doesn't have to constantly try and justify its own existence. It's just something that is, is here in the same way that we don't question you know the botanical gardens or, or other kind of important Melbourne spaces and places. I'd love to see Federation Square stop having to kind of justify itself in that way. I'd love to see in a post-pandemic kind of environment Federation Square playing a big role in, in how we reconnect as a city. have no idea what that looks like but clearly talking about that desire for people to connect in public obviously with social distancing (laughs) procedures but you know i think fed square's got a big role to play um in how we come back together again in the medium term and and the longer term i think as well
0: along with these suggestions one of the latest and most significant changes to impact fed square was the design and construction of the curry heritage trust and reconnecting the square to the Yarra River.
4: Hi, um, my name's Jeefer Greenaway and I'm a director of Greenaway Architects. I'm also an academic at the University of Melbourne and also the chair of Indigenous Architecture and Design Victoria. So I've actually had a long history with Federation Square having been involved originally in the design competition in 1996 and then also later on in my career being involved in the design of the Koorie Heritage Trust in the Yarra building. And also recently having been involved in some of the reviews as it relates to Federation Square and its evolution and and transformation through time as a, a viable and important civic presence within Melbourne. Having an indigenous presence within that particular area became really important. So to have been involved in the Korean heritage trust, which was located within the Yarra building became an important part of that story. So the collaboration for the Corrie Heritage Trust was a design collaboration between Lions Architecture and Indigenous Architecture and Design Victoria. So to step back a little bit, Indigenous Architecture and Design Victoria, or IADV as it's better known, is the only peak design body that represents Indigenous design practitioners within the built environment. So in collaborating with a a large and significant firm like Lions, there was a really interesting cross-cultural blend in terms of an Indigenous perspective in design thinking and translating that into a design proposition in collaboration with a large firm. So what we did through working up the design ideas was trying to come up with an overarching vision. And what was really apparent with the original Yarra building is it blocked your views of the Yarra River or Birra as it's better known. And so importantly, what we then wanted to do was understand and orientate the significance of where you are. So in collaboration through many conversations and workshops, we thought that weaving through a river narrative to overcome some of the limitations of how the building was sited originally, the limited access and and view lines onto the river became, became a really important component in how we thought about the design.
0: In 2019, Fed Square was announced as the youngest heritage listed space in Victoria, acknowledged for the tremendous impact it has had culturally on the City of Melbourne.
4: So in recent times, the Federation Square has now been given a heritage listing. So what does that mean for Federation Square? Effectively, what it mandates is that there are certain steps that need to be undertaken through the planning scheme for any redevelopment of the existing fabric of Federation Square. But it begs a bigger question, whose heritage are we protecting and to what extent? So in many respects, the heritage classification very much talks to the cultural heritage of the place, the importance of how it functions within the city and how it operates for its purpose. But as it relates to an indigenous heritage, we really need to delve a little bit deeper because as we know, this is a reconstructed landscape, if you will, by creating the decking over an existing series of train tracks which never previously existed. This whole area would have been uh, a chain of ponds and billabongs parallel to Birrarung or the Yarra River as it's better known. So how do we actually elicit and evoke that deeper understanding of history I think is is a really important question. And so therefore, the Koori Heritage Trust has a very significant role to play as a means to communicate the deeper and bigger stories of this place. And therefore, it takes on a greater prominence and opportunity to facilitate what we often call knowledge exchange, to build the level of cultural intelligence of how Indigenous people are understood in the context of Melbourne today. So if we think about it, Indigenous culture is a lived culture, constantly evolving, adapting and changing. So this keeping place is not just a keeping place, it's a gathering place as well. So it showcases the breadth and and sophistication and talent of Indigenous people in shaping how we understand ourselves. And so it starts to build a bridge towards a, a bicultural experience and acknowledgement. And in the age of treaty conversations in Melbourne, it becomes a real means to showcase and celebrate culture in new and distinct ways. So I think we've come to a moment in time and in a post COVID environment, Federation Square is looking at itself and asking where to next. So it's had a really storied history to date and it's been largely embraced and part of the story of Melbourne. So what will it be into the future? And in many respects, I feel it has uh, an opportunity to recalibrate and find ways to really become a central part of Melbourne's, the beating heart of Melbourne, knowing too that you know, Melbourne has changed a lot over the last 15, 20 years. So it certainly needs to keep pace with some of those changes and the dynamics of, of the way in which we understand places of significance to a city. And I think as we mediate so much through technology, We're looking for authentic experiences of place and what better way to do that than to get out and to connect with people. The social dimension of the place is actually really an important ingredient to its success and providing those offerings and moments where we can start to really engage with place and look at ways where we amplify that sense of experience and connectedness. And we know in Melbourne, the convivial spaces, the 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 laneways, the, the co- cafe culture, the arts culture are really important ingredients. So in enhancing those elements will really add to further layers of how we very much relate to and, and understand the evolution of the Federation Square through time. And so now it's a really important moment of pause to reflect upon that and find the best mechanisms of how to do that. And design is the answer, getting the design right understanding that in many respects Federation Square is an incomplete project. The original design intent was in many respects not fully implemented so there is further capacity there for instance to look at ways to evolve it and go back to the essence of what it represents and what it sought to do and how to really enhance some of those opportunities but also to ameliorate some of those teething issues which haven't quite worked and that can that can be refined a little bit further, can be improved upon. So these are certain the certainly the elements that need to be considered as part of the next steps to really transform Federation Square into the future so it becomes the destination for Melbourne.
0: Fed Square is transforming. There is a new brand that has just been launched, diverse and engaging program informed by the public and redefined vision. Fed Square is a globally iconic destination and Melbourne's gathering place. The visitors are immersed in unique cultural experiences and architecture that celebrate Victoria's rich heritage and identity. It's definitely a new era for Fed Square. Thanks for listening to this three-part series exploring just what Fed Square means to Melbourne and the journey the Square has been on to establish its place at the heart of the city.